Hey there, Oregon Surfriders. It's Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020, and welcome to another edition of Plyben's Policy Podcast. Charlie Plyben coming at you here from my home office uh, once again in South Beach, Oregon. It is a beautiful beautiful Tuesday evening. The sun is setting. It is a little before eight o'clock. The ocean is glassy, a little bit of haze, Um, but you couldn't ask for a much better evening. Uh, It's just gorgeous out tonight and warm too, which is rare on the Oregon coast like this for the air to be still and warm. So very nice night. Um, Thank you guys for joining me. We're going to be covering a number of different subjects this evening. I'm going to try and hit on uh, a little bit on race, equity, and inclusion, Uh, plastic pollution, talk about rocky habitat. I'll also talk about the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department's budget, Um, some recent victories, and if I am not waxing on too long, I will also give you guys an update on Jordan Cove. So we'll see how long uh, this lasts. I want to keep it under 10 or 15 minutes if I can. So we'll see. Um, We'll start off by talking a little bit about race equity and inclusion here and Surfrider in Oregon. I wanted to let folks know uh, Bree and myself, Bree Goodwin, the Oregon field manager, and myself spent a bit of time um, in acknowledgement, reflection, learning, uh, and trying to understand how we best are going to move forward through time um, uh, on on the issues of racism, police brutality, um, and more intentionality about our diversity, equity, and inclusion work in general. And uh, while we, we supported the work at the national level and getting a statement out and doing some reflection and some learning there, we really felt it was important at the Oregon level for us to, to, to take a deep dive on this. So um, we took a couple weeks. We didn't race to, to put a statement up uh, early on. We weren't in a race to be seen on this by any means. We wanted to be thoughtful. And so we have a post up on our website and it will be, I'll put it down in the, the comments section below uh, the podcast here on Oregon.surfrider.org. Um, I'd love for you to take a peek at that. Let us know what you think. Um, sort of goes over how we feel acknowledging and reflecting on uh, racism and Surfrider and Oregon and environmental organizations and um in our lives personally um we we touch a bit uh as as well on some next steps and actions some learning um we got a book club that's going along shout out to everybody who's involved in that book club that's really cool i'm stoked um we've got uh, everybody from the you know 27 to 72 ish something like that, uh, in this book club. So it's really cool to see the, the, the range of folks that have joined that. If you want to follow along, we are reading uh, So You Want to Talk About Race. That's the first book that we're reading. And we actually have some great links in our website for how you can 
purchase that book um, from a black-owned bookstore, if you will. So um, that's uh, all I'm going to really talk about right now on that. I want to keep moving along in touch base on plastic pollution. Um, we have pulled together an expert panel to help inform us on policies for the 2021 legislative session. And uh, by we, I mean Surfrider and Environment Oregon is sort of leading this effort right now. Um, and to sort of walk you back in time to how we ended up here, back during the 2019 legislative session, there was a number of policies introduced from a number of different legislators with good intentions, um, but they were bad policies. Uh, and they ranged across the board. Uh, from uh, plastic straw bans to preemption on plastic bag bans to um, you know polystyrene bans and, and there were replicates of bills and so it was very confusing it was difficult space to work in and we we're very fortunate actually to get the plastic bag ban out of that legislative session uh, in, in, in the form that we did but otherwise it was not an easy task so Environment Oregon and Surfrider, we both recognized this coming out and we said we really need to be better about coordinating with legislators ahead of the session, inform them and come together with a coalition on a cooperative strategy for more plastic pollution policy efforts. Because as you know, polystyrene uh, ban did not pass that session. We'd like to make another crack at that. And now we're looking at really some ideas around extended producer responsibility, which are policies that aim um, towards the producer uh, i.e. The, the, the DuPont, the, the Coca-Cola, the, the, the company that manufactures the product in the plastic uh, that you receive as a consumer uh, would ultimately be responsible for investing either in infrastructure for recycling and, and, and reinvesting that into the um, into some sort of you know, virgin product um, or non-virgin product rather, a recycled content product. Um, or uh, they would be responsible for innovating and reducing that waste altogether, which is sort of the, the, the area that Surfrider favors is in plastic reduction and innovation, um, less so in investments in the recycling system. Although there's good ways to do that and there's bad ways to do that. And so um, at the end of the day, those are the sort of policies that we think are going to be coming out towards the legislative session in 2021. And uh, we held a event called Beyond the Ban back in March and Environment Oregon and Surfrider led that effort. Some of you, uh, you that may be listening may have joined that, that, um, that, that event in, in Salem and we had legislators and some staff there, uh, a number of agency leads and another of, uh, other organizations, Oceana and Association of Oregon Recyclers, uh, National Caucus of Environmental Legislators, and sort of all sort of joined that discussion that during that day. And so what came out of it was this expert panel that Environment Oregon and Surfrider formed. And um, it's a discrete panel. We have, you know, five to seven-ish people on it. It includes people from outside the state of Oregon uh, to give us a stronger equity and social lens on some of the work that we're looking at, particularly since now eyes wide open, we understand the impacts of plastic pollution and the recycling system on other countries. And so there's a lot to be said about how we're going to approach this policy um, in, in Oregon and e even the polystyrene ban. So we needed these experts to help inform us. We held our first meeting uh, last week. 
Um, and I'm excited. Uh, we're gonna be hopefully pulling this together in a tight timeline and have something to be educating you guys on more around uh, September, October-ish. So uh, it will get easier to talk about this as we better understand what the policy looks like and as the experts sort of help inform me and others. So feel free to reach out to me if you're interested in learning a little bit more about this. If you're kind of have ideas or want, to, want some ideas of what the policy might look like, um, if you check out the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act that has been introduced at the federal level, um, it's probably going to look like a lot of the elements to that potentially and some elements to the policies that we're seeing in um, other states and other countries as well. So uh, I'll put some links in the, the, the bottom of our podcast here as well. And you can, you can follow those links to learn a little bit more information or feel free to reach out to me if you like. Um, next, we'll shift gears to Rocky Habitats and Territorial Sea Planning. This is a new uh, process that is underway, a new old process, I should say. Uh, the new part of this process is there's a public uh, process to designate special areas in the near shore, and that is the zero to three mile area of the ocean um, for protection. So those different types of protections and those different types of designation would have different goals, and each one of those goals would be sort of aimed at the rationale for why you would designate an area. So the three different types of designations um, are marine gardens, which I think many of you may be familiar with as sort of tide pool areas that are protected, and those are protected with an educational goal. Really, uh, the, a number of rules and regulations exist that protect the invertebrates in those areas, um, that is the uh, the animals without a spine, um, if you will, and uh, all of those things are there, and so that 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 you, the individuals of the public and school groups and otherwise, can come and learn, and can experience the seashore and see representative habitats, and that that sort of you know amazing biodiversity isn't just important to to us as people; it's also important to the ecology of the ocean. It's important to the ocean environment. Uh, is important to the resiliency of those ecosystems as we understand more and more about these these special rocky habitat areas. Um, so you know, ed, marine gardens would exist under this sort of educational protection suite. Um, another type of designation is something called a research reserve, and research reserves would come with a goal around research. So oftentimes researchers may have long-term, and by long-term I mean, you know, 20 to, you know, multi-decadal monitoring efforts happening in certain intertidal areas and in certain rocky habitats and tide pool areas. Um, and and that, that's, that monitoring is really important and to keep that experiment relatively unchanged, they may designate a certain area as a research area that also helps focus research efforts into one general area. So um, if a manager was giving out permits to do different types of research, they'd be more inclined to give a re research permit in a designated research area versus some other area uh, of, of rocky habitat or intertidal habitat. So that's, that's what a, a research reserve would look like. The third type of designation is kind of it is the utmost, you know, highest level of conservation aiming goal. And so the goal of the, the third designation is, is strictly conservation, and it's, it's called a marine conservation area. 
and that would come with whatever suite of rules um, it was ne that was necessary as uh, articulated by the person proposing uh, that area, uh, whatever suite of rules was, was necessary to achieve your conservation goal. So um, you may have a you know, high level of conservation that you're looking for in a proposal or a designation, and that may have rules and regulations that look a lot like marine reserves and don't allow for any activity or development, or it may even not even allow for people to go there. So, um, you know, these different proposals can look like a, a range of different things. Um, the other thing that the public proposal process, other than just designating these types of areas, allows for um, is a, additions or deletions to existing areas. So we already have some marine gardens and research reserves out there, and this process would also allow for the public to modify one of those areas. So um, the public could potentially d decide to delete an area and get rid of it or um, add on to an area or you know, you know, take away a portion of it or modify it in some other way. So this process will last through December. You can learn more about it on OregonOcean.info, sort of the Surfrider um, detail on this process is on Oregon.Surfrider.org. I will also have a direct link to both of these uh, on our um, uh, podcast at the bottom here. And just know we'll be doing some workshopping on this. Other organizations are going to be very involved in the public proposal process. I'm actually chairing the working group that, that runs this for the state of Oregon. And so for a number of reasons, I've been a little bit removed from um, engaging in the proposal process. But um, that doesn't mean that you and your chapters won't be reached out to by other organizations uh, interested in, in, in proposals. Uh, and so we have some great um, stuff on our website to help guide you through that process and what that might look like. And, and, and sort of a filter, um, uh, if you will, of uh, various objectives that you want to keep in mind uh, for, for, for surf rider planning and, and, and sort of surf riders core values around um, spatial planning in the ocean. So check that out. I'll have a link in, again, uh, underneath the, the Rocky Habitat section of this podcast when I upload that. Um, next up, I'm going to touch on uh, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department budget shortfalls, what that means for you and us on the Oregon coast, some changes uh, that are underway and are coming at you. Uh, one, uh, $22 million shortfall and growing. Um, we're, 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 it's a huge shortfall for that state agency that's dependent on uh, primarily state lottery funds and then fees from campgrounds and day use areas. So during COVID, the absence of those fees, um, day use areas and camping, uh, fees has really you know shot a hole in that budget hundreds of uh, part-time staff including a lot of folks uh, that we know individuals within our network in our chapter network here um, that um, are not being rehired as seasonal staff um, full-time staff that are uh, also losing their jobs um, very concerning for us and, and worrisome for us is the reassignment of a lot of the natural resource and stewardship staff. Um, it doesn't mean that those jobs have gone away, but they're being tasked with um, doing more fee-related um, and, and um, facility-related work. And that's because 
right now they're trying to operate like a business and bring in as much revenue as possible to keep as many people on board. So um, while we do appreciate and respect um, you know, um, and understand the predicament that Parks is in, I think it puts a lot of onus on us as individuals um, and also as an organization to, to communicate to the public what that means for uh, how we treat our parks and the level of services that we might expect when we get to the coast. So know that our beach rangers are not going to be as present on the coast um, as they used to be and responsive as they used to be because they're going to be more park related, more, um, you know, related, m more addressing issues that are related to campgrounds and, and, and day use areas that are, that are fees, fee use areas. So, um, there, there might not be as many stewardship staff actively on the ground and supporting natural resource efforts. Um, so we're really trying to push, pack it in, pack it out. Messaging, trash cans, and other facilities uh, are just not going to be able to be managed the way that they are normally. Um, so being respectful about, uh, you know, your waste, and if you can, um, don't use the trash cans, even if the trash can's there. Um, don't use the bathroom if you don't have to use the bathroom. I would just do that for health reasons uh, right now. And uh, generally just be respectful and, and, and try and encourage others to do the same. If you don't have to go, don't go and don't use a facility, I would say, and stay away from the facilities. Um, that's just good from a public health standpoint. Stay close to home where you can, you know, walk where you can um, and, 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 and use, you know, other access areas um, that are a little bit more off the beaten path that, you know, our Surfrider Network understands. So um, just understand uh, uh, and have some expectation and empathy maybe for parks moving forward here and, um, and helping to, pro to uh, provide that message and amplify that message out to the public that, uh, we're seeing some services change. We're going to see some rules and regulations potentially change because the behavior of people changes as well when there's a lack of uh, enforcement and there's a lack of other individuals um, sort of uh, policing, if you will, uh, the, the, the beach and, and being present at campgrounds uh, or day use areas. So illicit dumping and uh, you know other bad behavior um, can can be problematic, and, and that's where we can all be uh, be part of the solution. So be the watchdog, be the steward, be uh, supportive where you can on that, and um, just know that we're kind of in a tight spot, and that's something that we're going to be looking at during the next legislative session is how to dig parks back out of this hole. Um, victories. Let's talk about some good news. Um, Bree and I have been very active working with parks, working with individuals on the ground, and then also closing out some longstanding issues uh, on our beaches in particular over the past few months. And we've had some victories, had a hat trick uh, over the last month there. We had we kind of closed out three. One of them looks like the door's cracking back open again, potentially two of them maybe. Um, but that happens with, with these sorts of things. Um, just as a reminder, what is a victory for Surfrider Foundation? Uh, we sort of, ha we, we, we have a formal definition around uh, a victory. And, you know, a victory is generally a, a, a formal decision that's been made in the favor of, you know, the, the environment uh, or access or as it intersects with our mission. And so I actually don't have the formal definition right in front of me, which is embarrassing because as a policy manager, I should. But that's kind of it in, in a nutshell, uh, is that it, it, it's representative of a formal decision made by a decision-making ma body 
um, in the favor of environment and access uh, as it aligns more or less with our mission. And so these can be clean water, these can be plastic pollution, um, oh, you know, when is a plastic pollution, victory of victory, when the city you know, passes the ordinance, when the legislature passes the ban, that's when it's, um, that's, you know, when it's a victory. We also know, and Surfrider really appreciates and understands that implementation of the law is also a really important part of being victorious. So we do a lot of outreach, a lot of education, and that's the importance of our grassroots network. So I, I would add that little tidbit is that victories are really never done. Um, they're not like finished when we say, hey, we're victorious, we walk away. Um, they mark a, a moment in time that is, is significant um, and, and feels like a win, um, but it's always going to be something that we work on. So keep that in mind uh, as I give you these three victories. So from Newport, our Newport chapter, uh, going back to our previous chair, Scott Rosen, gets kind of identified an issue with... Um, our current chair, Mike Harrington, uh, working um, on a beach access issue called Jump Off Joe, where there was a proposed development and then there was a blocked access uh, around that area. Uh, we were able to work with the county to come up with a permanent access and a public access in that area. Um, and establish that through the public easement. Um, the development that was of concern there that was going to block the, the part of the, the, the access and easement um, sort of removed their uh, development plans from the, the, the city of Newport and that's been withdrawn now. Um, and it doesn't look like they have any plans to rebuild um, or to put building plans forward. So um, that has been marked as a victory. That's been about a year-ish and more, well, maybe more than a year in the making. So um, kudos to the Newport chapter. Uh, the Newport chapter and Bree kind of led that effort with the Newport chapter. So great work by that crew. Um, Pacific City, we had some fencing on the beach, and this was a... Uh, sort of a test of private property rights with the public beach bill and the public beach easement. Uh, we expect it could it could maybe not be over. Um, so this is when we're, we're a little worried the door might come back open on. But the short of it is is um, some individuals uh, about I think four to six property owners had put up some fencing uh, that that that, in, that crossed the public easement. And uh, that fencing has now been removed. There's sort of a um, back and forth between league lawyers and parks. And um, parks was, was moving to make the enforcement action. And there was a lot of legal things to, be, to consider in that enforcement action. And so at the end of the day, the property owners uh, did remove the fencing and sort of back down. And so uh, um, crisis averted on that legal challenge of the beach bill, which is what we were worried about. Um, and that, was, that, that came out victorious for us too. Um, so that uh, was a cool victory that we wrapped up over the past month here. Um, and then lastly, there was a seawall proposed up in Cannon Beach, up on the north end of Cannon Beach. And we, uh, that was brought to us by uh, Oregon Coast Alliance and, um, uh, and some individuals in the community, some members of ours in the community and, and part of the North Coast chapter. Uh, and uh, we jumped in quick to help. They asked for our support. Uh, we provided some public comment and our, our comment was sort of cited in the decision making of the planning council to, 
deny that permit and deny that uh, seawall up there. So um, the the condominiums that were putting that forward, they uh, they they are appealing that decision, um, and so which we kind of anticipate we, we should have anticipated. Uh, we we did go ahead and kind of call this a victory though because we were. We were ahead of this one um, with uh, with the planning commission decision, so uh, we're going to continue working on this. But for now, it's sort of a mini victory, um, and we get to do a little mini victory dance. So that was that was really awesome. Um, kudos also to Bree on that. She did uh, some of the significant lifting um, um, on that issue as well up there. So um, that's about it. You know what? I've come up here on twenty four minutes, which is like. 10 minutes longer than I wanted to go. So I'm going to uh, call it now and thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'll give you guys a Jordan Cove update on the next policy podcast. Um, for now, be well, be good. I hope to see you again sometime soon, at least digitally, if not in person, masked and socially distanced. So uh, with that, thanks so much, everyone. Have a good night.